Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle, Danielle, and Michelle. Oh, how good does that sound? <laughs> we are so excited because we are doing a part two of getting to talk to the lovely Michelle as a follow-up on an amazing episode that we had last week. Yeah. How are you feeling after it, Sherelle? Well, I think I got on my Instagram straight after and just um, expressed that my brain was a little bit fried, as I'm sure, um, you know, it was a heavy episode, but there was so much valuable um, wisdom spread in there by Michelle. And, you know, we got so much positive feedback from so many of you girls, and we know it would have resonated with you um, a lot. And that's why we're back here today with Michelle, so that we can just dive a little bit deeper into some of the topics that um, have been sent through to us. Yeah. So thank you for coming on again. Thanks, ladies. I'm so excited to be here. In particular, one of my favorite things is really taking neuroscience and turning it into an applicable and really accessible platform, right? Because mm. it's great to know stuff about neuroscience. And I mentioned it last week. I can talk about it all day long, right? It's super intense. It's exhausting, right? At the end, of <laughs> whoa, that's a lot. Tell me about it. You know, I've been experiencing that the last 10 years. It's a lot. So one of my very, very favorite things is to create a language around it that allows it to be so digestible, right? These complex systems within our body, well, how do they apply to our life? Right? Which is why I'm so excited for today's series, pardon me, for today's podcast, because we're getting really relevant with some of the themes that have come up with your clients or your audience or the people who are listening in. So thank you for having me on it Yay! again. It's great. <laughs> and as um, Michelle just mentioned, we do see common themes that pop up a lot regarding mindset, regarding all of these things. And it's as if people are seeking an answer just for them to hold on to. But the thing is, it's actually not that simple. And something that might work for you one week will probably change the other week. So to have Michelle on here again today, we really want to just demonstrate that it's not so much about seeking the golden recipe. It's actually about tuning into your body as an individual and working out how to self-regulate or how to get yourself out of that fight or flight. So then you can actually digest the information that works for you at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess, um, you know, we're sitting here today because there are some common themes that come through to us, um, you know, in our DMs or Q&A boxes. And we wanted to address some of those things because I myself, and I know Danny would be the same, we get a lot of comments about, you know, you always seem so motivated, mm. always so disciplined. You've got <laughs> shit together. I don't know why people think I've got my shit together because sometimes it really doesn't feel like it. But, you know, I guess we do demonstrate that sometimes. So we're here because we want to discuss those main topics and really dissect them for you guys so that you can, you know, be really aware and conscious of what they actually mean. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things that's really important in this work, right, is distinguishing between what we do in AON or what we do in SMP and what's happening in the coaching world, mm -hmm. right? So my role in SMP or in AON is not to be a mindset coach, right? Neuro mindset coaching is a very different thing. Right? What you do, Sherelle, what you do, Danielle, what I have done in my previous business is very specific, right? You want this result, you go through this series of behaviors, this particular process, you go through a period of time, we track and measure, you know, smart goals, 
and then we get to the end and we reassess, we debrief on, well, how do we go with that? And then we might change the trajectory a little bit, or we might continue down that same road. What's really interesting about this work and why it tends to be so complementary to working with coaches or working in the fitness industry or with any high achievers is that the work we do in narrow mindset is the precursor to being able to be coached in a better way. So what do I mean by that? We know that when the part of the brain, which is what we spoke about last week, if you tuned in, the part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex, which is right here, that's responsible for awareness in the body, and in particular, emotional regulation, that is the part of the brain when it's online, we are able to learn new skills. We are able to plan. We're able to create a strategy. We're able to take action. We're able to pace when it's too much or when we need to slow down. It allows us to gain foresight on future instead of just hindsight, like, oh shit, oh, that didn't go mm. so well. Foresight on well, what are the consequences or what might work well and how do we create a strategy around this. But in particular, this part of the brain, because it emotionally regulates our nervous system so well, mm. it allows us when we're in a space where we're learning, i.e. working with a coach or, or trying to attain a goal, it allows us to create new neurons. So that learning holds. Mm. So that learning can be consolidated. So it can be deliberate, so we can repeat it, so we get better at it over time. Mm -hmm. Without the prefrontal cortex online, we are not able to learn new things. So what's really interesting about what we're going to talk about today is it's all about precursors. And what mm -hmm. Jarelle and Danny and, and Hattie, who I work with in SMP, they do so well is, well, this is the what, this is how you do it, right? And working with the why and emotional motivation. But sometimes there's a little piece that's missing there which is well, how does my system stay regulated so I'm able to learn the things I need to learn and feel really steady in that from Sherelle and Danielle. So in particular, I'm really excited about talking about the three topics that we're bringing today. So what mm. were those three topics? Motivation, self-sabotage, self-sabotage and anxiety. But can I quickly say it's really good to hear, um, I guess, the why behind it because a lot of people are saying, Oh, I have no motivation. I have no discipline. I'm anxious. And it's this um, victimizing mindset that there's something wrong with them. So it'll be good mm. to dive into what, what it is, like what is actually happening and, you know, and what you can do about it. So that's really yeah. good. Because I'm sure we all experience, I know I definitely experience not feeling that motivation. I get anxiety and sometimes I the self-sabotage things come up, but I don't just sit there, um, you know, woe is me type thing because I've now learned that that's actually okay. Like it's how you get through those things for sure. And I've definitely also experienced what it's like to try and cram for an exam and learn and retain information. And, but you're so stressed and then you can't remember anything. And then that heightens the stress. And then it's just, and totally. then you, you're not, you can't concentrate on anything. And, um, that's definitely, I've been in those situations before, which I'm sure totally. all of us have, we can't concentrate or it just all yeah. goes wrong. Being busy. Yeah, there's that busy thing. Well, yeah. The first question that I'm hearing is, well, what about motivation? What is motivation? And I want to check in with you, Sherelle and Danny, Danny quickly. What are some common themes that you notice questions around it from your clients or maybe questions you've had yourself when it comes to motivation? The most common one is 
how do you stay motivated? That is the most common question because they look at us and they think that we're always motivated to train or always motivated to eat well or, or whatever it may be because they see us doing it. Um, and that's why we're conscious of showing the bad days as well. But it generally is the how do you stay motivated question. Yes. Mm. Okay. Really great start point. And I think this is a super interesting discussion. And a part of my work, even from the time I was a child, as I'd hear something like, okay, motivation. And I go, what is motivation? Mm. Like, what is it? And, and on the one hand, I think there's a lot of discussion around, well, it's just doing things. Or it's just doing things no matter what, just following through and ticking boxes. And in one way, that's really true, right? To be able to do things and follow through and take action. But on the other hand, it's, it's really important that we get curious around, well, well, what is motivation in the system? And what is the function of motivation? How does it show up? Where does it show up? How can we access it? What do we experience when we are accessing it? Okay, so the idea of motivation in the brain, what that is, is a particular part of the brain that's firing in a particular way. So this common theme of the prefrontal cortex, right? The prefrontal cortex, when it's online, what are we able to do? We're able to emotionally regulate, right? We're able to plan. We're able to create strategy. We're able to pace. This is a really important one, which is push when we need to push, pull back and rest when we need to rest, depending on the autonomic signals of our body. We can create foresight and we're able to learn things, right? So when we speak to motivation, are we thinking we're just doing things or is it how we do those things, right? Because we can just get up and go through the motions at the gym. We can just get up and kind of loosely track our macros in our phone. But is that how we define motivation? Not necessarily. If we're speaking with high achievers, probably not. That would be my hunch, mm-hmm. right? Motivation might look something. Yeah, Sherelle just started thinking about it. Where you're like, ah, my head, that's not good enough. I'm thinking that's not good enough. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. And on the one hand, for a different system, that might be perceived as motivation. But mm. what our experience of it is, is we go, oh, I'm going to the gym, but I'm just not feeling it, or I'm going through the motions. So what's happening with motivation? There's two splits here, and I want to make sure we're really clear and concise. We've got the perception that motivation is just doing things, where we're redlining and have a lot of adrenaline, right? And that could be, in effect, fight or flight in our system, mm. which is just go, 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 go. So you might experience that in a comp prep. Right? And that's a kind yeah. of motivation, right? It's a kind of motivation because our system's mobilizing and we're doing the things. But it's quite risky because when we're in that state, our adrenaline goes up and up and up. It takes more motivation to do the same thing, more i.e. adrenaline, mm. same kinds of things. And that's when we might experience a collapse, right? And we're going to talk about self-sabotage in a sec. But in that pathway which is where the prefrontal cortex is offline and we're in fight or flight. We're doing a lot of things from a lot of adrenaline, but we tend to collapse. We tend to burn out. We get to the end of a comp and we go, Oh my God, like, where did I go? Holy crap. Yeah. Post comp blues. Yes. Mm. Generally what I think my sense is, and I'm going to check in with you two ladies, my sense of what motivation is when people are really feeling it, when they're experiencing motivation as opposed to just doing stuff because they're redlining, 
mm. is that they feel mindful, they feel present, they're able to be very clear on this is where I'm going, this is where I am, these are the steps that I need to get there. That includes maybe tracking macros, it includes paying attention to tempo, mm. rest periods, you know, all of the things that you're doing in your training, but that requires a lot of focus, doesn't it? Absolutely. Focus throughout the day to really get right. Yeah. So my sense in the conversation around motivation is some people might be thinking of adrenaline, just do it. And that's when we're experiencing collapse, red line collapse. But most of the time, I think people are referring to how do I stay on point, right? Where I'm not rushing, but I'm just really focused step by step, a part of this process as opposed to a victim of the process or assaulted mm. by the process, right? It's just mm. too much. How do I stay with that and enjoy some of it, feel the achievement, can recognize, yeah? How is that landing for you two, those two different kinds of experience and motivation? Am I getting that right? It sounds like it. I mean, I can definitely uh, pinpoint times in which I've experienced both. One, um, the red lining almost comes out of a panic to get it done. Uh, and then when you recall the other side, I remember when I was in my comp prep, I was so present and calm. It was as if, um, I could focus better on what I had to do. And then it was just made the whole comp prep such a smooth, enjoyable process, I think, because it wasn't off adrenaline. So that actually yes. makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's an important thing to distinguish because mm. Sherelle and Danielle, when you're getting questions around how do you stay motivated? This is an important concept to examine. Is this person asking, how do I just do stuff and get to the finish line? In which case we work in a particular way to help the system settle because we know they're in fight or flight. Mm. Or is this person asking, how do I stay attuned to my system where I can plan, strategize, take action consistently, pace, regulate, and learn things really deliberately? Right. There's two different things. So which kind of question are you asking? And for our listeners today, this might be a question you ask yourself. Mm. Right? Motivation to you means just doing the stuff and hammering through at the cost of your own well-being. Or does it mean being mindful and present, process-driven, where your system is actually building and learning things and at the end of it, you can feel a sense of achievement. Right? So the first thing is which kind of motivation are we looking at here, right? Because we all often assume that we all think the same thing, right? That motivation is just one thing. But how these two pathways operate in the nervous system are very, very different. So with pathway one, which is a lot of adrenaline, right? And just doing things, right? Just do it, just hammer through, just get mm. shit done, mm. right? And you have a very specific dialogue. Like you said, Daniel, maybe there's a really intense pace to it or a speed. Right? Maybe it's frantic. Mm. Maybe you're getting up really early in the morning and thoughts start straight away. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe you're laying in bed at night. Yeah, sure, right? Interesting. Mm, mm. Laying in bed at night and can't shut off. Right? Mm. Having a little trouble socially engaging with people. Normally people that you would feel pretty steady with. Maybe with a partner you might be a little bit edgier. These are all signs in the nervous system that you might be in a fight, flight, freeze, right? So mm. in that pathway, when we're speaking to staying motivated in that way, I go, well, we actually don't want that yeah. right? because what that can lead to and often will lead to is a collapse. 
I was yeah. about to say, so, like, a lot of people think that they they want to be in that phase one. Like, I just want to get mm-hmm. to the thing. I want to get to my goal. I want to stay motivated and get there as quickly as I can. Whereas a lot of us who have done that and, and like mm-hmm. Danny said, have experienced the other phase too, we're sort of like, well, actually this way is a, is a lot more sustainable way where you can, you know, not essentially be chasing the horizon that you're never going to catch, but rather enjoy the, the process, right? Which is what yeah. we talk about so much. Yeah. yeah. Or you get to the thing and then you've uh, compromised your health and well-being, and you haven't even remembered how you got there in the first place. You're like, oh, well, this thing actually didn't bring me the happiness that I thought it would. What's the next thing? You do the same thing. What's the next? And it's just, yeah, a vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. And that comes back to the question of, well, how are you experiencing it? So there's pathway one when people say, well, how do you stay motivated all the time? Or we'll go, well, what do you mean by motivation? And if it means for that person redlining a whole bunch of adrenaline, fight or flight, we don't want to stay there. Mm. In fact, what we need to do is bring the prefrontal cortex back online, which is bringing things down a notch, Yeah. right? Tuning into practices like mindfulness, working with people who can help identify that in their system and recalibrate something because it's not sustainable. And it's interesting when you speak, Danny, when you say you get to the end, you don't even remember. Of course you don't because the part of your brain that's online to remember things and to stay present with things is offline. Yeah. So that's a hallmark where you're like, how did I even get here? Whoa. Whoa. Is that like that when tells- you're driving sometime? Like it doesn't happen to me ever since I was aware of it. And you get to the place and you're like, I don't even remember the whole drive over here. How did I stop at the traffic lights and not run anyone over? Because I'm oh, here, but I don't remember the yeah. bloody drive. Yeah. Yep. You've got lower functions of your brain <laughs> that are driving the wheel, right? And we're speaking officially to your to your metaphor here to your analogy rather but this is metaphoric too mm. right the lower parts of our brain when we're in fight or flight are driving they are holding the wheel mm. which means the present part of our brain is offline so we get to the end and we go <laughs> i don't even think i learned anything like i just feel yeah. tired yeah right and that's a hallmark so that's one that's the first component which is if that's the kind the quality of motivation that gals are wanting to continue we go, well, one, it's not sustainable. Number two, we can help you with a different kind of motivation, mm. which is pathway two. Right? And this is really interesting because it sounds like, Sherelle, Danielle, you've experienced some of this before, particularly in later comp preps. Right? And we might speak to it as process-driven. We might speak to it as having regular rhythms and rituals. We might speak to it as I'm paying attention. And really focusing through, I'm learning things as I go along and I get to the end and I go, well, we might have a bit of a dip just because competition is a really, it's like it's a big thing. Mm. It's a really big thing. There's always going to be adrenaline, but there's been a presentness through that entire experience, right? And that is my sense of what people, I think what they mean when they say motivation, which is how do I do the stuff? But how do I experience it in a way where I can learn and I can repeat and I can do it consistently and I can understand and be with my experience throughout? So the question becomes, well, how do we cultivate that? Mm. The cultivation of that is exactly the same as the cultivation of bringing down fight or flight, which is prefrontal cortex. When your prefrontal cortex is online, you are more emotionally regulated. It does it autonomically. Does it automatically, for those of you that don't know that term, 
It allows you to plan, to strategize, to take action on things, to mobilize. It does that via dopamine in the brain. So your fight or flight system is adrenaline and ultimately cortisol, very hard on the system. Yeah. Your prefrontal cortex and emotional regulation is dopamine, which feels good. We feel present. We feel mm -hmm. motivated and we can stay with things over a longer period of time. But for both pathways, it's the same kind of practice, which is getting the prefrontal cortex online so it can help recalibrate the system. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you for that. I never really have heard it in that way of the two um, sides to it. That's really cool to now be able to recognize like ourselves. Well, I'm doing the things, but am, am I doing it in pathway one or two? I'm definitely going to use that. Mm. Mm. This is an eye opener to really start to like unpack what motivation means for you. And, you know, we often talk about well, your why, you know, I think that's one way of people being able to sort of um, easily identify what motivation is to them is to think about why they're doing it, and what the outcome is. Mm. But now that Michelle always um, goes one further and now says the how, because mm. I think a lot of coaches know your why. I always do it in an American accent because it's like a big American sales pitch type in my mind. Hollywood abs. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but now it's like the how, the how. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and in all fairness, Danny, you know, the gals that are listening to this podcast and generally the gals that we work with have spent a lot of time developing their why, right? Which yeah. is one of the reasons why we're not necessarily focusing on that as much. It's a precursor. Mm. So don't get me wrong. If someone's very early on and let's say they're 19 or 20 or they're just kind of emerging or trying something new, the why is so important, mm. right? Of course we need to know why. And then we need to figure out what, but as time goes on, we're always looking to refine and get better, or in our case, experience things better. Yeah. We're doing the things, but we want to experience them in a better way. So I think what tends to, you know, the piece that tends to fall short in some of the discussions that we might have on social media or some of the work that we're doing with our clients, right, in the coaching space, is we all tend to assume that motivation means the same thing. Yeah. Right? So becoming so curious around well, what does motivation feel like for that person? What does it look like? How is it showing up for them in their system? And that determines what kind of work we need to do to help their system come into a space where they're able to experience it well. So is it fight or flight or is it really mindful? And if it's one way, we work with the prefrontal cortex to get it back online. If it's the other way, we work to keep the prefrontal cortex online while we're going through the motions. Perfect. Amazing. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, and that ties yeah, in really well to self-sabotage because, yeah. you know, when we do speak about motivation, when it often is people saying, how do I stay motivated? And they're perceiving their lack of motivation usually through self-sabotage by going off track, so to speak, as I say, inverted commas in on a mm. podcast, no one can see me. <laughs> but that's yeah. what I'm referring to is people are like, oh, you know, I binge ate on the weekend or I went over my macros or I haven't been to the gym in two weeks. You know, I, I'm not motivated to do it and I'm self-sabotaging. And they're sort of mm -hmm. missing that link between the two. Yeah. Or they reach the thing and then undo it all. Oh, someone said I'm looking amazing. So then they go and, and eat, you know, or undo everything that they just did. Yeah. Yeah. This is so fascinating. Mm. It's probably one of my favorite topics. Oh, I'm excited. I really, yeah, I really love this topic. But what does it always come down to? Activation in the nervous system, right? The stimuli, 
but we're experiencing, we'll either raise activation and then it comes back down, or it'll raise activation so much, right, i.e. adrenaline or cortisol, it'll raise activation so much that the system collapses. Right? So ideally, in a system that has a prefrontal cortex that is regulating, that we're doing the work to bring it online, we can connect with people to help us go through the process to learn to do that. In a system like that, our activation can go up, and then it settles, and then it goes up, and then it settles. Right? It goes up and settles. Mm. So we've got flexibility. It might go up a little more, just up a little bit, but it's able to auto-regulate itself. Right? In a system where the prefrontal cortex is offline or it's flickering, our system can go way up in activation, but it can't bring itself down. Right? It doesn't have the function to help settle it. So what happens in this case, and, and I feel really strange about the word self-sabotage, because I go, well, this is actually a mechanism of the nervous system that's built in to protect you. Mm. What do I mean by that? Activation goes way up. It can't auto-regulate, right? So adrenaline just keeps pumping. Fight or flight is just going, 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 going. And there's a whole bunch of resources at that top level, right, in hyper-arousal that our system will reach for to help it regulate externally. Right? So we want a system that can internally regulate. But if it can't do that, the nervous system is amazingly resourceful to find things that will cause that. Wow. So what's an example of that? When we look at things like eating, right? that is an external way to regulate activation in the nervous system. Right? So activation is super high. If we're having troubles with eating and we're using that external tool, our body is reaching for things that actually brings activation down. Would you believe it? Right? Our activation goes so high, and Sherelle and I were talking about this earlier, so we take on a whole bunch of exciting things, and we do tons and tons of work, and so much so that we get really tired. Guess what? Down goes the activation. Yeah. Right? We, activation goes up. Maybe we have an argument with someone, and we get really, really rigid. It redlines, and then all of a sudden, bang down goes activation is that where the term comfort food comes from sure mm. yeah definitely so so what are we speaking of when we're talking to self-sabotage what we're speaking of is external resources that our nervous system is finding to help bring activation down wow why is that important to know because if we're not addressing the precursor of allowing the system to regulate itself, we're always gonna be in a cycle of where we're finding external things to cause a collapse, to bring it down. Mm. Right? And that's a super, super hard cycle to be in. So a really good example would be, you're doing really, and I'll use Danny's example, you're doing really well, like you're kicking goals, you're following the process, like you're getting positive feedback, right? You're noticing all this change. Your system is getting more excited, right? Like, whoa. I'm doing it. Okay. Like keep doing it. Mm. Oh, this is so great. Okay. I'm going to keep doing it. Right. And it gets a little bit more intense, a little bit more intense, a little bit more intense. Right. This is all positive stuff. Yeah. But it's still activation in the nervous system. Mm. So in a nervous system, that's just going up and up and up and up and up, but can't bring it down. The system goes, mate, I can't do this forever. I can't redline like this. I don't know how to stay here. That's too much, too exciting. 
just mm. too much. So the system will go, it will find every time it is a survival instinct. The brainstem kicks in and goes, I got your back. Right? I know you can't handle this. I got your back. And it'll reach for something that immediately brings your nervous system down, wow. brings it right down. So it might be food. It might be overtraining. It might be arguments with people. It might be piling on a whole bunch of stuff so you can do something with the energy. And then it gets to a point where you go, God, I'm so tired. I'm so flat. Yeah. Right. What and about then what self talk? Sorry to interrupt. I'm just so into, I'm just trying to put all these pieces in. This is the, sequence, the whole you're right? not good enough. Is that part of it? Like this is the sequence. Yeah. And you're spot yeah. on, Danny. That's why I love this topic. So we've got activation going up, right? System can't co-regulate. Part of me auto-regulate. So it reaches for resources to go, we need to bring this down. And we have four or five tools to do that. Mm. So it brings it down as a safety mechanism. But then, well, that's not safe either, right? Because the system goes, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> like what's wow. happened? But guess what? Guess what? When you're in low arousal and that doesn't feel safe, internal self-talk, what have you done? Bang, adrenaline's back up again. Guess what you're doing? You're at the gym, tracking your macros, mm. checking in with your coach, but then it goes up and up and up and up. Holy shit. System can't hack it. External regulator, bang. Oh my God, what have I done? Adrenaline's back up and up and up. And we're going in these cycles. This can happen in micro sections or macro sections, it might be quite extreme. If that's the case, we need to be reaching out to spaces where we have therapy or people who are very specifically trained in this. That's so, so, yeah. so important. But almost all of us, particularly in a high achieving space, are experiencing cycles of this, either every day or every week or quarterly or on a year to year basis. It's happening. It's happening for mm -hmm. all of us, which is really interesting. So the idea of self-sabotage in this field, when we examine what's happening in the nervous system, self-sabotage is the breaker switch where the system goes, can't redline anymore. I need an external regulator. And it brings your activation down. But when the activation's wow. down, we experience guilt, experience shame, really low arousal, which doesn't feel very good for a high achiever, does it? Right? Low nope. motivation low motivation yeah doesn't feel very good but the self-talk of what are you doing like look what you did that is another resource of your nervous system to kick adrenaline into gear yeah it's pretty phenomenal and i want to make sure this is landing landing free both because we can't visually see what we're talking about here but the system will go up and up and up and then it brings itself down and then it brings itself back up and we go in these Amazing. cycles. So I want to check with you too. Is that something you've noticed seen in clients or seen in yourself in particular ways? Yeah. I'm just, I love, I don't know, for some reason today in this episode, I'm just like trying to put real life situations and be like, Michelle, is this it? Is it also <laughs> where people go and like, stuff it, I'm going to buy the new car or I'm going to like, and they try and just overhaul them and just do something to bring it back up. Is that kind of part of it? Okay. Yeah, totally. That would be considered an external regulator. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And everybody's system is slightly different. And we spoke about this last session, which is whichever survival pathway was most effective for us when we were little or through particular development periods, that's what's going to show up for us now. Yeah. Right? What's going to give us the activation we need to feel safer 
or what's going to bring our activation down to help us feel safer. But generally, if we're in these cycles, we don't feel safe when it's high, we don't feel safe when it's low, but our system doesn't quite yet know how to stay somewhere in the middle, mm. right? So we're going external regulators like bang, 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 but it's a little bit harder to stay in the middle. And that's where our work comes in, right? What's the answer to that? Prefrontal cortex. Yeah. And I guess this just highlights the complexity of um, a lot of things like, you know, when it comes to sex, drugs, alcohol, mental health, eating disorders, mm. all these sorts of things that, you know, do require help and, and specialist involvement and just like intervention from a higher level, not just about, well, you're not motivated. This is what you need to do. It's yeah. a lot more complex than that. And we really want to be like really vo- like forward in saying that, like if you're going through any of those sorts of things and you are seeking okay. help, you know, help books yeah. and motivation or quotes and all that sort of stuff, it's not enough. It needs experts. Can I just ask as well, Michelle, you know, talking about those peaks and troughs um, and the nervous system being adaptive and you know what it's supposed to how do you know that you know perhaps your your baseline is steady or whether those peaks are too high or too low and what's normal because you would expect like hormonal wise and everything we do have those periods where we're motivated so to speak and we want to push and we want to get to stage and then you will of course expect a a drop after that you know and it's not you you're not self-sabotaging it's like I always talk about the analogy of turning the volume up so that you can turn it back down. So how do you know whether your baselining is appropriate? Mm -hmm. Really awesome question. Mm. I love that question. Everybody's experience of that is going to be slightly different. However, in the work that we do at AON and some of the work that we do in SMP, it is to allow a space through our curriculum to get a sense of how does your system experience autonomic regulation? Mm. What does that feel like for you? Because for some of us, we've actually never experienced it. Right? We've been redlining or collapsing our whole life. We just don't know any different. Yeah. Right? Our system is amazing at adapting. Right? If we've been tired for a couple of months, that becomes our normal. And it's not. And this has happened to me before, right? where I've been unwell for a number, number of months and I've come good again and gone, God, I had no idea I was that tired. Yeah. I had absolutely no idea that I was really struggling, right? Because it come, becomes normal and the nervous system just adapts. So this question can sometimes be a little difficult to figure out on your own, right? You can practice things on your own, but to really consolidate it, if you want to get into super detailed mapping of your nervous system, that's where you have to work with people. You have to work with people who have been trained in this area, right? What does your system feel like in high activation? There are certain things we can identify, right? Like heat, Nervousness, speed, might be think, like ruminating thoughts, right? A lot of thoughts, right? Maybe we feel a little bit shaky. Maybe our sleep's a little bit disturbed or we wake up in the morning and we're just like going straight away. Right? What, do we, what do we know this to be? Like cortisol and adrenaline, right? That's high activation. Mm. Right? But then lower activation might be lethargy, really unclear, really forgetful, really foggy, really heavy in the body. The muscles not contracting properly, really cold temperature, right? Things are moving super slowly. We're sleeping a lot, but not feeling rested. Right? These are signs of hypoarousal. These are the two extremes. Somewhere in the middle, that's something we need to get familiar with. Because a lot of us are on the extreme levels. Yeah. Right? We track something called the window of tolerance in the work that we do, which is what are the upper edges 
of having your prefrontal cortex online? What are the lower edges of having your prefrontal cortex online? Mm -hmm. But by becoming familiar with your own system in that window, you're actually practicing keeping the prefrontal cortex online. So the work is discovery, but it's also practice at the exact same time. Yeah. So, so Sherelle, to answer your question, there are some nuances there that we can help with, but there are some specifics that you might look for, which is fast thinking, a sense of speed, a lot of heat, the body feeling kind of shaky. And then the lower end is body really cold, super lethargic, really foggy, hard to get kind of moving. The muscles don't really contract the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that answers it perfectly. And I was just like, it's amazing how much the nervous system is impacted by night duty, because a lot of those sorts of things that you're sort of saying is like what I notice in myself, like my muscles can't contract properly in the gym after a night shift. Actually, I remember um, you saying that. Like yeah. Those things like my temperature mm. shakes, um, you know, okay. sometimes like this is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me, but in a state of complete fatigue, like 30 hours awake, I was crying and laughing at the same time. And like, there's so many things that, yeah, it's amazing what you, what your nervous system really can do and take mm. control of. But I think that yeah. perfectly is that it's so individualized on your yeah. tolerance. And um, at the same time, you know, what you shared there, Sherelle is so important because without this knowledge, and this is the piece that's so powerful. This is the piece I feel so passionate about in this work, the work that we do to assist coaches in coaching better, right? Or working in AON where we're working with women directly. We're trying to be leaders and working with other women. It is to say that our nervous system is experiencing all these things, but without the knowledge or the tools to be able to track it or make sense of it, or we're actually, we feel like a victim to it. Mm. yeah Yeah, because all this stuff is happening in our system emotions thoughts sensory stuff in our system right where we go oh my god Mm. what is all this stuff Mm. not only is there a function for it that we can make sense of but over time as we do this work we can actually use it to help the system auto regulate and figure out what we need to do in our relationships in our work in our hobbies in our external environment what kind of resources are best to help our system come into a space where our prefrontal cortex is online, but we're also able to auto-regulate. The system is able to then do it itself. Yeah. Um, I read something or listened to something by Mel Robbins, I think it was, and this kind of ties into our next topic of anxiety. Um, but the, the traits that you mentioned on being on the higher end of it, um, lots of thoughts and a bit shaky, but sometimes when, when I'm excited, I get that as well. But then also when I get anxious, I get that as well. And then she ended up mentioning, well, it's similar physiology, but it's what you label it. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Yeah, spot on. Mm. So what is it? Just high activation in the yeah. nervous system, right? How our limbic system, right? The part of our brain that has all the memories and created all the meaning for all our experiences, right? It filters what we experience. So we can have really neutral, objective activation in the nervous system. But when it goes through this part of the brain that asks why, that's the part of the brain that will label it. Mm. Because I'm excited. Okay, this is all right. Because I'm anxious. Oh, shit, this doesn't feel very good. Mm. The activation is the same. But the part of our brain that asks 
why, which is why we're always mindful of why in this work, right? why it's sometimes not the most helpful thing, when it's filtered through that, well, that can totally change our biochemistry. How our limbic system interprets activation in the nervous system will determine whether or not it continues to go up or whether or not we go, oh, no, this is okay. Like, I can stay yeah. with this. Mm -hmm. Does that answer your question, Daniel? It sure does. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. So the question and topic around anxiety, right, and what's happening with anxiety. Well, at the risk, because we never want to minimize, right, people's experiences, how people are experiencing things is very, very real. That is mm. so, so important to say, which means if you are struggling with these things, it is so important that you're reaching out to someone someone who knows what they're talking about, who can help you in this way. Right? That's absolutely imperative that we say that. And at the same time, if we strip it right back and just examine, well, what is anxiety in the nervous system? It's simply activation. Right? Adrenaline going up. Adrenaline responding to stimuli. Right? And our nervous system is so amazingly sensitive. So I'll give you a really great example. This is often why asking why isn't the most helpful thing. Our brainstem can register stimuli so sensitive. It could be the light that's coming into our eyes. It could be the temperature on our skin. It could be the time of day. The brainstem can associate time of day with something it felt anxious about 10 years ago. Wow. It can associate anxiousness with the temperature that your skin feels, right? The brainstem collects information, but it can't organize it can't make meaning of it it just goes this happened right this this thing that makes me anxious happened at this time of day with this temperature with this amount of light coming in my eyes wow. and that creates a response yeah phenomenally powerful mm. right that elicits a response and because we're human right we want to make sense of things we want to understand we want to organize right which is why these models and why this work is so powerful because it helps us do that from an objective standpoint, right? Working with our system instead of against it. But because we're human and want to make sense of things, if our brainstem is responding to something, we're gonna ask why, right? But what do we do? Our eyes are pointing outward. So we go, oh, it must be that I'm in a shopping center right now. It must be that I'm hungry right now. It must be that I'm on, a, on social media right now and I'm, I'm feeling scared about social media. It could be anything, anything in your external environment that the system's going to go. I'm feeling activation, which we can't necessarily make sense of. Very hard to track back because there's so much information. But then our nervous system goes, it must be that thing. It's just right in front of me right now. And we start to build associations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a bit of a... I have a weird thing. question again of me Please. applying situations to your theories just for me to sure. help better... <laughs> Is that how, I remember I used to watch those TV shows and people would be like scared of a button or something like that. Is that because they've made that association from yeah. a young age and all of a sudden their nervous system yeah. thinks, no, this object is scary. So they're like scared of their own buttons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, well, it's a super, it's amazing and such a protective mechanism for the system. Wow. Because right? the system goes, this thing that didn't feel very good Right, that happened at this time, my brainstem is going to collect all the sensory information that was happening at that time and associate it with something that's not very good. Mm -hmm. So the case yeah. of a button, right? Really, really great example. 
it is quite possible and quite likely, and we can't say definitively because we're not talking to that person, but it's just quite likely that whatever was happening with the button, there might have been something that happened that caused that person to feel really anxious, right? Not, not, a best, not the best memory, but the brainstem went, oh, buttons. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And it's multidirectional. And there are layers of this over time. So where it seems really strange, and we might notice this about our own systems, where we're like, I don't know why it feels scared when I'm doing this thing. I can't explain it. Mm. There's something wrong with me, or it must be this, or it must be that. Mm. Oftentimes, it's simply the nervous system that's just picking up stimuli that we can't make sense of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what is the solution to that? I want to check with Sherelle, because you might have a question there. I know oh, it was just like, yeah, that theory, like it's been proven so much in psychology and everything about that. And I remember um, watching like something about um, they, some sick, twisted person. They had this person's hands like, and it was a fake hand um, and their real hand was in the other box and they had a knife, you know, and oh. felt the Even just hearing about that, yeah. I just went, had that activation. Yeah. So it was a fake hand. She felt yeah. pain because, of course, we associate a knife oh. going into a hand that we perceive as our Mirror neurons. Yeah. Mirror neurons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, the thing that I was going to say was like just, yeah, relating back to myself, like a couple of years ago, um, I was riding on my bike and a car got me from the side. And oh, I was going yeah. to a roundabout and um, for a long time, like every time I went near that roundabout or any roundabout on my bike, my heart rate, like, and even though it's like, there's no car coming, like it's yeah. fine. I'm not yeah. even on a on. bike right now. Oh. It's okay. Such <laughs> a powerful like, example. Oh, mm. Go through the roundabout so that you can break that. Um, that is such a powerful example of how a protective the brainstem is. Hmm. Right, that even just the associations of going through that roundabout and the nervous system went, well, prepare to fight, fight, freeze, submit, attach, prepare for that. Right, and your conscious brain is like, I'm fine, there's no cars, but the brainstem's like, well, there could be, and there was. So, this is very real, and that's why we say that our experiences they're very real and they need Mm -hmm. space and processing. So, what's the solution to this? Right, when we talk to activation in the nervous system and how complex the question of why can be, right? Often why can amplify things, right? We're, and it's so well-intended, right? Because we want to understand. But what is the solution to it? Same as self-sabotage, same as motivation. The answer is the prefrontal cortex. And the reason behind that is when the brainstem's responding to things and the limbic system, where the question of why feeling overwhelmed must be this it must be that must be this it means that the prefrontal cortex is offline right the second we get that back online our system is better able to regulate Mm. right so regardless of whether or not we're talking about three topics today but regardless of whether or not it's motivation self-sabotage anxiety right any of those things it all comes back to is that part of your brain online because if it is all of those things become easier if it is all of those things start to make sense. If it is, all of those things start to dampen so we can better feel like ourselves and be able to do the things that we want to do and experience them how we want to experience them. Amazing. I love that there's the underlying theme um, behind all three big topics that are easy to get lost in when we're experiencing them, but it all comes back down to 
do that. Now, for someone um, who's completely new to this, and I know you said you don't really, like you don't coach people on, on what to do, but where could someone start to even think about getting their prefrontal cortex back online? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. We're doing it right now. Oh, right. Well, a really, um, yeah. First of all, like listening to a podcast is social engagement. Psychoeducation is hugely important. We can see this under fMRIs. Understanding how our brain is put together and how our nervous system operates, even the awareness of that can increase our prefrontal cortex activation. So even the discussions around it, and this is, it never ceases to amaze me. I really sense, I can't say definitively, right? But I really sense that's why this kind of work lands for people where they go, whoa, just understanding and hearing that this is how my nervous system is operating is so powerful. Yeah. There's not something wrong with me, that it's totally normal, that it's actually really important that function is there. And I have the capacity to be able to track it and start to get really curious. Like, how does that show up for me? Mm. Yeah. And what's the sequence of that? Yeah. I think it's really powerful when you um, start, like we always talk about education and I even know for myself, like if I understand something, I'm more inclined to stick to it. Sure. Sure. So understanding through psychoeducation is a really important piece, which we're doing right now. Right. If you're tuning in, and listening to people who have education around us and are willing to have discussions, you are way ahead of the game, right? The next thing is, as you're doing that, right, as we're speaking about these things, last podcast, this podcast, are you checking with your system, right? How is that shift for you? When you say that it's powerful and it really resonates, what do you notice about your nervous system through that experience? Do you feel like your nervous system is settled a little bit? Do you feel relief? Do you feel curiosity? Do you feel really spark to, to reach out and ask questions and learn more? Right? That's the second piece. So psychoeducation is one. The next is as you're experiencing that psychoeducation, whether or not that's with a coach, whether or not that's with us in AON or an SMP or just listening to this podcast or other resources that you might seek out, are you tuning into your experience to understand the impact of that? Like what do you notice? Because both of those our prefrontal cortex activation. The first one is understanding how it works. So we go, oh, okay, we're engaging that part of the brain. The second is being so present with that experience and going, there's something powerful in this, like that shifted me, that's staying with me and really reattuning it. And then the third piece would be repetition and practice. Right? And this is where our coaching piece comes in. You can choose any platform you want. doesn't matter if it's training, macros, yoga, breathing, going for a walk, dancing, doesn't matter, right? The repetition and the practice occurs and comes with you. And of course, there's some intent behind that, right? Of course, there, there is some motivation or some desire to learn more and to practice it. And as you repeat that, that gets stronger. Psychoeducation, tuning into your experience, and then utilizing the platforms that you have to be able to repeat that practice so those neuropathways get stronger. Amazing. 
Yeah, it really does um, make so much sense. And obviously the last few weeks, and I guess a reoccurring theme here on the Level Up podcast is this mindfulness and, you know, um, headspace in where you're at and motivation and all these things that Danny and I always speak about. And there's, there's good reason for it because it's, it's the key driving factor behind why we do what we do and adhering to change and progressing and leveling up, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. So we covered motivation, self-sabotage and anxiety, three massive topics, all coming back to the underlying factor of asking yourself, is my prefrontal cortex online? And Michelle has given us a really cool insight into what these terms actually are and how they show up in the body and what we can do to, to start to really understand our own situation. So I just want to thank you for coming on our second episode with you. I'm going to miss you after this one. (laughs) I know. I know. We've developed a bit of a thing here. So I also really want to invite that if there are any further questions, right, or, or just curiosities around this, or people need help in terms of directing towards resources, because we do work with gals in AON and we do work with gals in S&P, but that isn't the only avenue. And that's really important to say, right? Accessibility is so important, right? We can do this in our own lives, no matter what platform there is. I am not the only resource that's out there, right? As long as it is a resource where they know what they're doing, they're educated, you trust and feel safe with them. And you're putting some intent in to practice and stay with that process. You're going to get a great result. You are going to feel the experience that we're talking about, which is, which is just so heartening. So I want to thank you, Danny. I want to thank you, Sherelle. It's been um, two really amazing episodes, and I'm so grateful to be able to get some of this information out there. It helps one person or more people. That is such a win. So thank you. Thank you. We're so, um, so honored and privileged to have had you on here and, you know, allow your service to be accessible for, you know, all the girls who do tune in because, you know, this sort of stuff just didn't happen just a few years ago. So it's nice to know that these sorts of things are out there and that, you know, you're not a victim to any of those, these sorts of things that are going on. There is help and there's resources available. So thank you again. And thank you everyone who's um, tuned in for the second episode. We do hope that it's resonated. I'm sure it has with a lot of you and definitely if it has um please do again take a screenshot of the episode post it up on your instagram story tag myself tag danielle tag michelle and of course the level up podcast thanks ladies